Welcome to the 64th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk trade targets going into Week 10 and give you a ridiculously bold prediction for Thursday Night Football. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. It is by sell time. Uh, we did have Monday Night Football since the last time we spoke. Wait, did we have Monday Night Football? I believe we did, right? We recorded on Monday, so yeah. Um, Monday Night Football takeaways. Jacoby Myers is good at football. Um, I think he should not maintain maybe a 36% target share like he has over the last three weeks. But until Julian Edelman is back and while Nikhil Harry maybe turns into an NFL-level player, if that ever happens, um, Jacoby Myers is going to be a high-target guy in a Patriots offense that is probably going to be playing in uh, higher-ish scoring games over the next few weeks. Um, Baltimore, obviously, they can – suppress the Patriots offense, but they're going to be trailing against Baltimore. Baltimore is probably going to run for 500 yards against them. So, um, I mean, feeling good about Jacoby Myers, Cam Newton, I guess you can start him with a little bit more confidence, not feeling confident anybody else on the Patriots. Damian Harris, not sure if he's going to play Um, on the New York Jets side of the ball. um, We'll talk about Jameson Crowder a little bit later. Um, Denzel Mims looks good. Also Brashad Perryman, both. I think this is kind of what the GM envisioned uh, getting these three receivers to kind of let open up the field for Sam Darnold um, underneath with Jameson Crowder and have those two guys just running go routes the entire time. And it actually worked against Patriots. Joe Flacco was hitting. Um, not sure if that'll ever happen again, but Sam Darnold, maybe it'll happen. Um, it's going to look really good if they keep that duo or trio of receivers with Trevor Lawrence next year. Um, that team is 0-9 by their – they gave this game to the Patriots, honestly. Like, they were the better team, and they gave it away. I'm a Patriots fan, and it was the most embarrassing win I think we've had in a very, very, very long time. Um, yeah, not really any, like, super big fantasy takeaways from this game. Uh, Michael P. Ryan is expected to get more work after the bye, whatever that's worth. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Any takeaways from Monday Night Football? Not really. I don't, I don't really see much – fantasy upside for either of these teams given the fact that you know the Jets are the Jets I don't really have to speak much on them um but yeah Brashad Perriman had a good game uh, you can tell the, that he had a connection with Joe Flacco they, they were former teammates uh when they were both in Baltimore but uh on the other side with the Patriots I mean pretty much like Cam Newton is the guy that you can start on against bad teams because you know that when they play against bad teams, they're just going to run the ball. And Cam Newton is their best uh, their best rusher. So uh, definitely works out at, for fantasy purposes against bad teams. Damian Harris, he – I mean, he's, he's a good depth play, but he's not going to get many goal line carries because Cam Newton is the goal line back. So that definitely caps his ceiling. And, yeah, Jacoby Myers looked good. Like, he looked like the best receiver out there. And – uh, I don't think that even if with Edelman coming back, I think that he can still continue to get work. Uh, he's clearly demonstrated that he should be on the field. And I think that he's going to continue to uh, get targets with Cam Newton. It seems like they have a kind of a connection together, which is very good to see. Yeah. Um, as a Patriots fan, Jacoby Myers is probably one of the only things I was happy about on Monday night, but anyways, no one cares about the Patriots or jets this year. Both of them are pretty bad. People do care about buys and sells. And that's what I want to get into. Try to go relatively quickly through these. Um, I want to start with a trio out in San Francisco, Raheem Mostert, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. George Kittle's out for, I mean, God knows how long. George Kittle says he's out for two weeks, but, I mean, looking at their record and seeing what doctors say, I would assume George Kittle is done for the year. Wouldn't drop him in fantasy leagues yet until we get more clarification or just hold him on your IR spot. But 
I do think this creates a great buy opportunity for the other three fantasy relevant 49ers players. At the end of the day, if Jimmy Garoppolo is done for the year, Nick Mullins is more than capable of at least trying to get the ball to the really good playmakers. And Brandon Ayuk is far and away, I think, the best uh, vertical route runner. Like he can get deep. He can run the intermediate routes. He can also like get a fade route. He's a really good, he's the number one receiver and Debo Samuel is just an insane gadget player where you can pretty much just manufacture touches for him. And he can take six touches for a hundred yards and a touchdown, whether it's a carry or a pop pass or a screen or a jet sweep, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Debo Samuel is just electric with the ball in his hands. He's not as good of a route runner as Ayuk, but he's really good. And Raheem Mostert, I mean, I don't need to say anything. We've said it multiple times. He's an RB one when he's on the field. So all three of these guys, I'd be looking to buy them. I'm feeling really confident in buying them. Uh, at the end of the day, it is a Shanahan offense with a good offensive line and a need for weapons and a need for players and playmakers. And that's what these three do. So Ayuk and Samuel, I'd be willing to pay like a low wide receiver two price for them. I think they have weekly wide receiver one upside. Uh, both of them do. It's going to be hard to predict who's going to do what. So you're going to kind of have to live with the good and bad games, but the upside for them weekly is going to be really good. And Raheem Mostert is just Raheem Mostert. This dude can break a 99-yard touchdown on any carry. Like, this dude is just explosive as hell. He's a big play waiting to happen. Every time he touches the ball, he's a perfect fit for Shanahan. So those three, yeah, I'm buying those three. Um, Tyler, give me your comments on these three, and then give me another buy after that. Yeah, between Ayuk and Debo, I kind of see Debo as the floor guy in this offense because he gets those, like, four to five carries a game. And that, that definitely develops his floor. And, you know, he whenever he's on the field, you know that he's getting those jet sweeps. So it works out for his floor. Ayuk is, I want to say, the more talented, but he's also a rookie. But, he, I mean, he does not play like a rookie, to be honest with you. Um, but, I mean, both these guys are, are like you said, by lows. Moser is just Moser. Whenever he's on the field, whenever he's healthy, like he's going to be their number one guy in this, this, this uh, run-heavy offense. So, I would definitely be looking to buy Moster at this moment. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to play this week against New Orleans. And then the following week, he has a bye. And then after that, he has a very easy schedule, which I'll pull up in a second. But like, yeah. And I don't think the schedule matters all that much for 49ers players just because you know Shanahan is going to get his best players the ball and he's going to do it in a way where they're going to be productive. So, I mean, a good, good matchup obviously helps. But honestly, I don't even care so much about the schedule. But anyways, read it off. Yeah, so he's a bye week um, in week 11, and then he's expected to come back week 12 where he's at Los Angeles, then Buffalo, which is a good matchup. Washington in week 14, which is kind of tough. But um, 15 and 16, the, your, um, your biggest playoff weeks, he has at Dallas and then at Arizona. So wow. those are, those are uh, two pretty good matchups for a guy that we saw last season uh, turn, it, turn it on during the the – latter half of the latter stretch of the season. So I have those kind of expectations for Raheem Mostert this year. Um, it's just a matter of being on the field. So um, definitely expecting him to turn it on once he get, gets off the bye going into week 12. All right, now give me a bye for this week. Yeah, so I'm going to go with kind of um, a disappointment this year. I'm going to go with Hunter Henry, who, you know, is even given how bad the tight end position has been this year, he has not been like a starting caliber tight end. And I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the touchdown work that he's just not getting. Like he's only had one touchdown 
in the pat like this season. But um, as far as production goes, like the, the targets that he gets, like he is like on an equivalent pace as TJ Hawkinson. So um, Hawkinson, who is currently ranked as the third tight end right now, if you look at their, their stats head to head, as far as a per, on a per game basis, I'm taking out the first week for Hunter Henry uh, because that was when Terod Taylor was on the field. And so from week two on, it's been Justin Herbert as his quarterback. So uh, as far as targets, Hunter Henry's averaging 6.4. TJ Hawkinson's averaging 6.1. Um, receptions, Hunter Henry's at four. TJ Hawkinson's at 4.3. And then yards per game, uh, Hunter Henry's at 41. And TJ Hawkinson's at 45. So there's really not a huge difference in the production between those two as far as like um, – the volume that they get, the only difference is that TJ Hawkinson has five touchdowns and Hunter Henry has one. So I think that positive regression can come for Hunter Henry and he can really turn it on in the second half of the season because, they, I mean, they're kind of looking for red zone target. It's, there's no really clear red zone target for the Chargers as of right now. I mean, Hunter Henry got a target yet well last week. I think Mike Williams did as well. And I think Keenan Allen might have gone another target, but like, for the most part, there's no clear target. There's no guy like taking over, like being a target hog in the red zone. And I think that opens up the opportunity for Hunter Henry to get some looks in the red zone and kind of re-solidify his value uh, in the second half of the season. Yeah, actually, I hadn't even considered Hunter Henry and you pretty much just sold me on him. I mean, seeing how him and Hawk have like identical stats is crazy. Obviously, Hawkinson is like on the goal line. They're just drawing up goal line fades to him at this point, and he's just delivering. He Hawkinson's a really good red zone threat. Um, Hunter Henry can be that. I just feel like they don't need to rely on it. They're kind of like, fuck it, Justin Herbert, go make something happen. And then Justin Herbert makes something happen, but it's typically been to like a no-name guy. Like, I feel like Jalen Guyton is the one that makes a big play every week. Yeah, and- John Guyton. I think he has four touchdowns in like – five six weeks yeah like it's just he's making i mean not a diss to herbert at all he's playing really well but he's not locking in on his best players which honestly is a good thing like as a quarterback that is probably the best thing you want to do you just want to get the open guy you don't need to force it to someone who's not open and keenan allen is also always open but yeah Yeah. you can get hunter henry probably like off no not off the waiver wire but you can get him off the end of someone's bench really really easily and he's someone that more likely than not, you'll be pretty good starting. Um, obviously, he's just a glorified streaming tight end at this point. But, I mean, there's going to be some pretty nice matchups coming up. I mean, he has Miami, New York, Buffalo, New England, Atlanta, Las Vegas, and Denver. So, I mean, the only team there that I know can really guard tight ends well and has good safeties is Buffalo, New England. Everybody else, um, I mean, it's fair game. And Hunter Henry can definitely eat, so. I, I like that pick a lot. I actually really like buying Hunter Henry for like really cheap. Like you could get yeah. him for next to nothing right now, which is the best part about it. Um, I want to talk about another receiver here. Devontae Parker, um, close to being our buy of the week before we added a big name at the end. But Devontae Parker, I'm feeling really good about him. Same way I felt good about Preston Williams. Preston Williams looked like the wide receiver one. He was playing that X position for Tua um, and he was just getting targeted, valuable targets downfield, red zone. Uh, over the middle of the field. It doesn't matter. So Devontae Parker is going to be doing what Preston Williams did while Preston Williams is on IR. There's no guarantee Preston Williams comes back um, after three weeks. So it's at least three weeks, but it could be more of Devontae Parker being that guy. And we know he can 
beat number one coverage if he has the trust of his quarterback, which he does with Tua. So I'd look to get Devontae Parker on the cheap right now, kind of as like a low, maybe middle flex. And if you can get him, I think he can be a wide receiver too over the next three games and maybe even more. But at least with Tua, I think the entire ceiling of this team and offense raises. And if Devontae Parker is going to be the number one target, then he's going to be fantasy relevant. So go ahead and try to get him uh, cheap. Uh, I don't think he's going to be ridiculously cheap because obviously everyone knows Tua has been playing or he played really well this past weekend. But I think he's there's a discrepancy in value relative to what he's going to be in the next few weeks. So I really like Devontae Parker. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be looking to get him if possible. 100%. This has everything to do with Preston Williams being put on the IR this week or yes, literally today. Um, we talked a lot about Preston Williams and Tua Tagovailoa on our, our Tuesday pod and kind of the upside that they have going up moving forward this season. So, you know, with Preston Williams going to IR, Devontae Parker is the clear cut number one in this offense. And if Tua Tagovailoa continues on, um, continue playing, continues playing at this level, Devontae Parker is going to really return on value for, for people that drafted him in like the fifth round. And then, um, yeah, like I'm feeling pretty good about Devontae Parker. I think that moving forward, he could definitely be a high wide receiver two in these coming weeks um, and possibly put up wide receiver one numbers. So, yeah, I think that Devontae Parker is a very good buy this week. Another receiver that I have as a buy is Jarvis Landry out in Cleveland. So we saw him not get as much production in their last game week eight, which I believe was against – the Raiders Raiders Mm -hmm. Raiders. Okay. So it was like, what was it like a 16 to six game? It wasn't a very pretty game for the Browns, but it was clear that Jarvis was the number one target. He had uh, about 10 targets, just didn't execute on all of them. I think he had four catches for 40 yards, but this has everything to do with Jarvis Landry solidifying himself as the number one target in this offense with Odell Beckham getting hurt. And, you know, like Nick Chubb is coming back. I think that, um, that means that Kareem Hunt is going to be off the field uh, uh, a lot more. And Kareem Hunt has kind of been taking targets away a bit, but I think that uh, with Jarvis being the number one target and like him not really producing at this point, I think that you could definitely buy low on him right now and kind of take him, buy him as like a flex per se. Yeah, like, I, you could, he could be had for a flex. I personally traded DJ Dallas for him last week. Like one week of DJ Dallas for the next six weeks of Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's, and, that's a very good deal. Like, I think that Jarvis Landry could definitely be had, especially coming off of a bye week. And the week before that, he wasn't, he didn't produce at all. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely feeling confident about Jarvis Landry moving forward. I would definitely look to buy him on the low, low, kind of a bit more than uh, what you'd be trading Hunter Henry for. Cause like, Hunter Henry, you're getting him for chump change. He's tight end 16 right now. Yeah. Like you, you, can, <laughs> you don't really have to give up much to get Hunter Henry if he's not already on your waiver wire. So. Yeah, whoever owns Henry is probably looking for a reason to get rid of him. And they'll be like, oh, you know what? I'll take it. Like, offer a kicker. You'll probably get Hunter Henry in return. That was literally me until I looked at the stats. <laughs> and now, yeah, now no, Hunter I'm, Henry, he, he honestly is a great buy at the tight end. Like, there's so few players that you can actually feel good about at tight end. And Hunter Henry, maybe you don't feel good about him yet, but he has more avenues to feel good about him than other tight ends right now. Um, and also Jarvis Landry, yeah. I mean, one game without Odell, 11 targets in that game. I don't really care what exactly it is. 
that the Browns are doing on offense, Jarvis Landry is going to see about a 25% target share on a weekly basis. So if they're throwing a little bit, he's still going to see around six to seven targets. If they're throwing a lot, he's going to be seeing around 10 to 11 targets. So the volume is going to be there. We know he's good in the red zone with Baker. Baker likes to target him in that area. And there's not many other options in this passing game right now. Baker, I think, is going to start playing better as well. Um, this matchup against Houston is good for the entire Browns offense. I expect it to be a high-scoring game. So I'd look to add Jarvis. Um, also, I'd feel comfortable in starting him. He's probably going to be one of our starts of the week this week. So feeling good about him. But another possession receiver that I do want to talk about is our buy of the week, Michael freaking Thomas. He's played two games against the Bucks, who absolutely have his number. They match up really well with him. And in those two games, uh, first game, I think he had like three catches for 21 yards. This past game, he had six targets, five catches, 51 yards in a game where it was not even close from the beginning. So a positive game script for the Saints, not good game script for Michael Thomas. This is not going to happen every week. The Saints are not going to win 38 to three. I promise you that. There are going to be closer games. There's going to be games where the Saints need to come back a little bit. Michael Thomas is going to start getting targeted like crazy. You're going to see these 10-plus target games coming for Michael Thomas. And if he can – I mean, he's still going to be high value because he has the name value. I mean, people who drafted him, they've been waiting all year to play him. But I would try to make a trade for Michael Thomas right now. Um, not really a sell-high candidate, but someone I think – someone whose upside I'd be willing to part ways with would be like Will Fuller plus another player for a guy like Michael Thomas. I just think Michael Thomas's upside on a week-to-week basis is really, really high yardage-wise, and his floor is going to be really high so long as the Saints aren't winning 38-3, to which, like I said, I don't believe will be happening uh, next week, this week, any, any other week. I really don't think it's going to happen again. So go ahead and try to get Michael Thomas on your fantasy rosters. If you can probably get him as your wide receiver too, you'll have to pay a high price for him, but I'd be willing to do it. I think Michael Thomas could end up being a top five receiver down the stretch. And if you can try to get him for like a top 10 wide receiver price, absolutely, I would pull the trigger on that deal 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can get him for Will Fuller, but I think a guy that you could look at to trade Michael Tom- for Michael Thomas is a guy like Allen Robinson, who is basically like a version of uh, fantasy wise is a, is a lesser version of Michael Thomas in a worse offense. So, um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like giving up that low wide receiver one. I just think that you need to give up more name value in that sense. Yeah, so, I, 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 I agree. I agree. So uh, yeah, I think Allen Robinson's a perfect guy to trade for Michael Thomas. He's been producing pretty much all season long. I don't think he's dipped under uh, 10 points since like week two or week three or something. So um, definitely would look to, to get more upside out of uh, Allen Robinson by trading him for a guy like Michael Thomas. So moving on to sells, um, one of the guys that I, I really look at as a sell this week who absolutely went bonkers against a really bad defense was Josh Allen. And, um, you know, before this week, he was looking kind of uh, kind of doo-doo, to be honest with you. Like he, he was not – I think he played against um, some moderately tough matchups. He played against the Patriots – in week eight, the Jets week seven, so not a very good matchup. Um, Kansas City and then Tennessee. So in those matchups, in four straight weeks, he had less than 17 points uh, each of those four weeks. So, um, you know, I had a really hot start to begin with, and then he kind of had those duds of games. And then he plays against 
possibly the worst defense in the league with the worst like game plan for him and puts up 36 against them and like completely lights them up. So um, it was an MVP MVP performance for Josh Allen, but moving forward, he doesn't have the best matchups ahead of him. I mean, he has at Arizona, you can still start him against Arizona. And then he's a buy. Um, then Los Angeles was, which is another good matchup. Um, but then he goes at San Francisco and then week 14, Pittsburgh, then week 15 at Denver, and then week 16 at New England. So you're talking about a playoff playoff schedule that is just absolutely it's it's absolutely atrocious, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's it's something that would definitely sell right now because you know, going against a, a team like Arizona, people aren't really looking in the future with Josh Allen. They just saw him put up 36 points and they see him as this guy who's ranked top four in the league right now. Uh, I think that that's viewed a bit differently the next week when he's on by, I think that his value is a bit lower. So I would definitely look, I think this is the perfect time to sell Josh Allen. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, if you can sell a quarterback at any given time, I would. So, I mean, let's say hypothetically the team in your league has like, I don't even know, like Michael Thomas. Let's say Michael Thomas is available. You have a receiver like a Wolf Fuller and they have maybe just a generic quarterback or there's good quarterbacks on waivers. I would be completely comfortable trading Josh Allen, Wolf Fuller to get Michael Thomas and then just adding a quarterback off of waivers or streaming quarterbacks. Um, Joe Burrow is a guy that maybe is still on waivers. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is another guy that after his tough stretch has another good schedule and he's highly efficient. Um, there's just other names. I think the quarterback position, unless it's Kyler Murray, Right now, there's not too much difference between players. Um, Justin Herbert's been killing it as well recently. Pat Mahomes, obviously. Pat Mahomes, he's crazy upside every week. Russell Wilson. But I don't think Josh Allen is in that tier. I really don't. Um, and it, you, He's going to need rushing touchdowns, I think, to keep that up. And the way they've been using around the goal line this year, maybe the past two weeks they have, but he has not been getting very many rushing attempts near the goal line this season, at least, so long as uh, Zach Moss has also been back. So... I'd be completely comfortable with selling Josh Allen as like a high, high QB one. Uh, he has that great value right now. I don't think it's going to keep up. I think he's going to be uh, still a top 10 quarterback weekly, but you're, I don't think he's going to separate himself from like, let's say Carson Wentz that much for the rest of the year. I think he's going to be pretty equal to Carson Wentz in that aspect. So I'd be willing to sell him hundred um, percent. Another player that I'd be willing to sell and I'd actually be looking to sell is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And you're selling relatively high here. I mean, the volume for him has been god-awful over the last few weeks. He has not topped eight carries since Le'Veon Bell has come into the offense. So obviously do not feel good about the volume. And they honestly just don't need to rely on him at all, given the way that this passing offense is humming. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, they were up by like 30 against the Jets, and he was still launching it down the field. I don't know if they want him to win MVP, whatever it is. I don't know. But I mean, I do not feel good about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the rest of the year. He did score a touchdown this week and his numbers have not been terrible fantasy wise because he has had two touchdowns over the last few weeks. But I mean, if you take the touchdowns away, he's scoring like three or four points a week. That is not what you want to see from a guy that you drafted super high and that was had great value up until Le'Veon Bell was signed with the chiefs. So I'd be looking to sell him as a high end flex, low RB two. Um, a name that pops up that I would personally rather have is honestly Jonathan Taylor for the rest of the year, just because I think there's no way CEH gets back to that upside without an injury or the upside that he had without an injury. I think Jonathan Taylor, uh, yes, it's been ugly for him, but I think he sees greener pastures. I think things are 
starting to look up for him a little bit in terms of the way he's playing. He actually had one of his better performances of the year against the Ravens in his six touches uh, before that fumble. But if Frank Reich commits to giving Jonathan Taylor 15 plus touches a week, which I believe is what will end up happening starting this Thursday, I do believe he will have more value than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So if you can try to sell CEH high, that's just one name, but there's plenty of other players that you can try to sell him for. I would look to sell Clyde Edwards-Alaire for that reason. He has a buy coming up. The schedule does not get easier for him. It's just a bunch of bad uh, signs for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So unless Le'Veon Bell gets cut by the Chiefs, I'm looking to sell him right now. Yeah, definitely. The thing is with Clyde Edwards-Alaire is that like he doesn't really have the upside that he had before because he's really getting, I think that the max he, he could get in a game is something like 14 to 16 touches, which, you know, you're looking for that in like an RB2 as like a consistent workload, like that's about his ceiling. And most games he's going to get something around like 10 to 12 touches. So um, granted it's in the, the Chiefs offense, so he's still going to have some value. He's just not going to have the upside that you really want from your RB2. So unless you have him as like your third best running back, I would definitely be looking to sell him. Um, another guy that I would look to sell him for is a guy that's kind of on the up and up, uh, who's DeAndre Swift, who is kind of solidifying himself in his backfield. So I think that you could definitely use the name value of Clyde Edwards Alaire to acquire a guy like DeAndre Swift, who could uh, further solidify his backfield the way that Clyde can't really do because he has Le'Veon Bell in his backfield and he isn't really that good of a pass blocker. So um, he's not going to be on very many uh, third downs. Yeah, he is. Oof, him in pass blocking is not pretty. It makes sense why they brought in Le'Veon Bell. And yeah. Darrell Williams is still playing third downs for them. Like, it's honestly a three-man committee by snaps. Uh, obviously, Clyde Odezolea probably leading that pack, but not not feeling good about CEH at all for the rest of the year. It's just, I think now's a good time to sell before things potentially get uglier. I don't see them getting prettier, though. Yeah, no, I think... Another guy that I want to mention who has really lost his upside because of uh, some roster, like a change in roster is Amari Cooper. So obviously since Dak Prescott has been out, his, his value is kind of diminished, but he's coming off a pretty good game where he had, I think five catches for 60 yards uh, against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The thing is about Amari Cooper is that, you know, he could have some good matchups moving forward. I think that uh, he does have a good matchup pretty sure no he has a bio this week is at minnesota which is a good matchup then washington then at baltimore so at cincinnati so he doesn't really have any good matchups but even if he did like he's not he's not necessarily he's not going to exceed your expectations ever like he's not he just doesn't have the upside because this quarterback play is always going to suck even if andy dalton's in there if garrett gilbert still has like the game of his life against a very good pittsburgh steelers defense like it's he's going to continue to, to provide average numbers. And that's what happens when you're, when you're not in a very good offense. So uh, I think that Amari Cooper is a hard sell this week coming off of uh, a decent week. I mean, he had 12 PPR points and he's still ranked as a, a high wide receiver too in PPR formats. I would look to sell him as like a mid to low wide receiver too. someone who you can get that uh, has more upside, like a guy like, I would sell him for Brandon Ayuk in a heartbeat because I know oh, that. 100%. Ayuk is – I mean, I've talked about him a lot. I love Brandon Ayuk. I think he's on not exactly an A.J. Brown trajectory, but, like, 
he's going to have that end of year breakout where everyone's like, holy shit, how did we not see this coming? He's just a baller and it like plays left and right. So yeah, I would look to sell him as well. Another guy I'd look to sell uh, in that same receiving core is also CD lamb coming off of a good game. I mean, four for 71 and a touchdown. And I mean, just, you can try to sell people off the idea that maybe the Cowboys offense is going to be decent for the rest of the year. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think this past week was like their, their, their best game. And maybe they start playing hard like that every single game. Maybe they keep competing, but I don't see it at least from Mari Cooper. Um, CeeDee Lamb as well. If you can try to sell him high, I would. I just don't think the touchdowns will be there. I don't know how many touchdowns they've had as an offense since Dak Prescott left, but I don't think it's very many. It's really not been a pretty scene for these teams. And I don't think their schedule gets very easy either. Um, like, yeah, you mentioned it. They also have Baltimore, I believe, in week 13. That's just going to be an absolute massacre. So that's not going to be fun. Uh, yeah, I'd be looking to sell Amari Cooper for sure. CeeDee Lamb as well. If you can try to – if someone, like, likes the Dallas Cowboys name value at receiver, I would try to sell off that. But Amari Cooper especially, I would be looking to sell him because he's had two solid weeks with uh, Andy Dalton and Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Um, had an awful week with Ben DiNucci, but everyone saw that coming. So if you can try to sell – him i would i think it's going to be not that good for him for the rest of the year um another player i want to talk about um i'll hit two players here really quick uh one probably our sell of the week is Jarek mckinnon coming off of a decent game I, I understand he probably just has like low mid flex value i would try to sell him as that i just don't see how involved he's going to be for the rest of the year um when debo samuel comes back he literally takes away all of Jarek mckinnon's value because they do not do dump offs to Jarek mckinnon they do dump offs to debo samuel who is incredibly electric. And Tevin Coleman's coming back this week. They're playing against New Orleans Saints, and then Mostert's back after the bye. It's just stay away from Jarek McKinnon. Look to sell him if you can. Don't want him on my teams anymore. I was on him earlier in the year. I love Jarek McKinnon earlier in the year. Not anymore. Jarek McKinnon, adios. Get off my rosters. I'll trade you to somebody else. I'll let somebody else deal with the 49ers running backs. Not named Raheem Mostert. And the last guy I want to talk about, jump jameson crowder so here i think you're selling is like a mid to high ish wide receiver two if possible the target share i just don't think it's going to be there with mims and perryman healthy i think both of these guys can play and you're just not going to see those 13 plus target games for jameson crowder anymore i think it's going to be more like six to eight targets a game for crowder which is solid he'll be a solid flex but i think his peak value especially after a touchdown this week kind of saving him he had a touchdown on primetime, looked solid, whatever. If you can try to sell him off of that consistency that we believe he's had the entire year, um, I, I would try to do so. I would try to sell him as a solid high floor wide receiver too. I don't think the volume keeps up the way it had been when Mims and Perriman were are hurt. Now that they're healthy, I just don't see it for Crowder. So I think you're looking at an opportunity to sell his value before it really declines. Yeah, I, I love the Jamison Crowder sell, uh, mainly because, um, you know, the emergence of Denzel Mims, but also, like, even if he is getting those targets, even if he, he maintains, like, like, I don't think he'll, he'll continue to get the 10 to 12 that he was getting. He played four weeks before this past week where he got two targets with Joe Flacco. But with Sam Darnold, in those uh, previous four weeks, he had – um 13 targets then 10 targets then 10 targets then 13 so you're talking about an average of what 12 targets a game something along those lines of maybe a little bit over but um like that's 
that's not going to continue. And even if he gets down to like maybe eight to 10 targets instead of the 10 to 12, like his, those targets aren't as valuable as like your usual targets you would see because for one, he's on the jets and the jets just suck and they don't, they don't have scoring. They don't obtain scoring opportunities because they're just a bad team. And number two, his a dot, his average depth of target is always been low throughout his career. Uh, this season in particular, he's at 8.7. So you're talking about a lot of passes that are very close to the line of scrimmage and yeah, like he, he's, it's just not a lot of upside for Jameson Crowder. So if you're able to sell him as like that high wide receiver two, you're talking about, I think that's perfect. Um, maybe somebody's looking for some uh, wide receiver depth and would like to acquire a guy like Jameson Crowder, who they, they believe is reliable. It's the same thing as uh, Amari Cooper and Clyde edwards alaire Like, there's just not a lot of upside with these picks. And as we get down the stretch of the season, we're, in, we're going into week 10 right now, you want to acquire that upside. Like, you're looking to win games. You're looking to find guys that can go out and win you games or win you, win you weeks. So um, I, I just don't believe uh, Jameson Crowder, especially Clyde edwards alaire and Amari Cooper are those guys. So – Jameson Crowder is just another guy that's a part of that that group of guys, group of the uh, cells. Yeah, I think Crowder's had like two 20-point games this year. Um, if, if he's not scoring touchdowns, I don't think he's going to be that great. And I'm not relying on touchdowns from any Jets player for the rest of the year. I like Denzel Mims long-term, but yeah, um, short-term, not really into any of these guys. Um, any other players that you would say are kind of maybe not even like buys or sells, just players to watch um, to see if you can kind of take advantage of their value, like I know one guy that stands out to me at least would be Jonathan Taylor. I'm not, I don't even care so much about the production on Thursday, although I am starting him. I think I'm really concerned with the usage. If the usage is decent, then I'm feeling great about Jonathan Taylor for the rest of the year. But if this Jordan Wilkins stuff keeps happening, then maybe Jonathan Taylor is uh, going to be a sell regardless of what the production might be. So yeah. Any other guys that you might be like watching, as far as buys or sells? Like either one, just either way. Like just players mm-hmm. where you think their value, you're not really sure about right now. And you kind of want to see something before uh, you make a judgment. Um, I mean, we've talked about Jalen Rieger a lot. I think that he's one of those guys. I think that if you're in a position where you're kind of fighting for a playoff spot, I think a guy like Justin Jackson would be someone to look out for because I think that Anthony Lynn is leaning towards wrestling him this week. So his, his value could be very low, but – um, for the next two weeks, uh, weeks 11 and 12, he has the New York Jets and then at Buffalo. Wow. So uh, those are those are two very good matchups for him. If he ends up wrestling this week and then plays those two matchups, like those are those are RB2 weeks for him. So mm-hmm. I think that this is a great time to sell or to buy uh, Justin Jackson if you're in that position, but you don't necessarily need him this week because it doesn't look like he's going to play. But uh, like a guy like me, I'm in that position where I'm, I'm fighting for playoffs, but I know you are as well. Um, Justin Jackson's a guy to definitely look out for if you're if you're kind of in that middle area and you're looking to to compete. Yeah, no Austin Eckler, no Austin Eckler news at least. So I mean, feeling good about Justin Jackson if he is healthy. Um, one more name that I'll add onto this list is Michael Pittman Jr. Um, he has been looking good since coming back from his injury, and it doesn't look like Paris Campbell's going to be back anytime soon. There hasn't been any, any update on that. But I'm assuming no news is bad news for Paris Campbell at this point. We haven't heard anything about progressing and whatever. But Michael Pittman, um, T.Y. Hilton is just not that good anymore. Michael Pittman is pretty solid. And 
he has not looked great thus far, but he makes the plays that Frank Reich wants him to make. He's a really good blocker for a receiver. He's really physical after the catch. And he's kind of starting to, I think, come into his own a little bit as an NFL receiver. So he's someone I'd keep my eye on for the coming weeks. I know he has a big game Thursday night. So maybe he starts to break out on primetime. Not stashing him this week, but just keeping my eye on him. Even if he does have a breakout or doesn't have a breakout, I think the usage is going to be there. And if the usage is there, then he's definitely going to be one of the top waiver ads coming up because this Colts offense, like we said before, really does not have any pop. And I think they're looking for different ways to get that. And Michael Pittman might be one of the guys to do so. So that's pretty much it. Um, one more, one more guy. Uh, no, not, not necessarily. I was just uh, looking at the time. Could, uh, and I know that we have a pretty solid Thursday night matchup this week uh, with the Colts and the, the Titans. I wanted to uh, talk a bit about uh, what, what you think is the outlook for this game. What, what are kind of your predictions as far as um, what's going to happen with the game? What's going to happen with some of the big players? I know that Derrick Henry has a pretty tough matchup against uh, the Colts. Yeah. Uh, um, surprisingly good defense this year. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, for me, I'm still feeling pretty good about Derrick Henry. I think that in a divisional game, he, he shows up and he shows out. So I'm at home as well. So, I think that Derrick Henry still has a bit, not necessarily like a, like a big game, but like he still puts up those like RB1 numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. This this defense and Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard in specific is literally insane as a linebacker. He's ridiculously talented. He doesn't miss tackles. So it's going to be interesting to see how Derrick Henry does because obviously without Taylor Lewan, this offensive line has not been as strong. Um, and – I was looking at Derrick Henry's stats earlier this morning. I actually posted a poll about it on Twitter. After every game that he goes under 100 yards this year, he's gone over 100 yards the next game. And lo and behold, last week, he went under 100 yards in a tough matchup against the Bears. So this is easily the toughest matchup Derrick Henry has seen all year. But at the same time, I don't know if it matters. Like, this dude is literally just built different. But um, I was thinking, before hearing that stat, I was thinking of making a bold prediction for this week. Maybe I'll stick to it, but I think – Jonathan Taylor gets more rushing yards than Derrick Henry this week on Thursday night football. And I know I sound legitimately crazy for saying that, but this matchup is ridiculously good for the Colts running backs. So maybe I'll say the Colts running backs as a whole outrush Derrick Henry. But honestly, like if you're going hot takey, I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor outrushes Derrick Henry, whoever the lead back for the Colts, we'll go with that because if it's Jordan Wilkins, (laughs) I think they're going to go for a lot of yardage this week. Obviously I would love for it to be Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, I know Derrick Henry has gone over hundred yards after each game under, but I just don't see it this week. It's, it's tough. It's tough because Derrick Henry is ridiculously good and he just overcomes tough matchups. We've seen it on Thursday night football before he had a quote unquote tough matchup against the Jaguars. That one year goes for what, like 43 fantasy points and just absolutely yeah, well, demolishes. Like borderline 50 points. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's is it possible that Derrick Henry goes crazy? Absolutely. But, I don't know, Darius Leonard and this front seven just match up really well. Like, they do not let Derrick Henry get ahead of steam. And once he does, it's game over. But I don't think they do. This front seven tackles really, really well. So, yeah. in terms of who wins the game, I want to say – the Titans, but I think this is going to be a really close, ugly game. I don't think it's going to be very fun yeah. to watch. Uh, outside of that... AJ Brown touches, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's going to be that great. So, 
Yeah, I'll take the Titans in a like I'll say 27-24 Titans. I don't I don't think that the the first of all, I don't think that the Colts put up that many points. And at the same time, I don't think that the Titans put up that many points. I think that if the Colts have any opportunity of winning, it's like it's a it's a slug matchup like it's some, it's something like within the teens, like seventeen to thirteen or something like that. I think that's the only way that that the the Colts win personally, and I think that's kind of how it ends up. I I, I don't see. I think if one team scores over twenty points, it's the Titans. I don't see the Colts scoring more than twenty points. That's just that's just my take on it. But between Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, obviously JT has the advantage because he's uh, going up against the much lesser Titans defense, but at the same time, he's also a lot more fresh than Derrick Henry right now after being pulled out of the first quarter in his last game. So uh, that, that definitely works uh, to his advantage. And I think that, I think that JT has something to prove uh, this week. Uh, I mean, he's had something to prove pretty much every week, but like, (laughs) yeah, he can pull that like every, or he, he got pulled out last game, probably left a little bit of a chip on his shoulder um so i'm i i i'm feeling pretty good about jonathan taylor this week i i have him in a league i think i'm going to start him um so i mean yeah i i wouldn't be fully surprised if jonathan taylor breaks out and outscores or out rushes derrick henry this week that's crazy coming from you because i know you own derrick henry but um i i don't know I'm not going to say this is the week for Jonathan Taylor because we've said that before. and it <laughs> We've really already said this like almost every week. Well, no. <laughs> there, there was that one week in specific where like it was a bold prediction, whatever. Um, I don't want to say definitively that it's Jonathan Taylor week, but after what I saw in film last week, if he does not fumble on that play, I think he's on track for 100 yards against the Ravens. Like They could not get the edge on him. Their linebackers were not athletic and not strong enough to get there. And his vision looked the best it's looked in a few weeks. So if he's taking a step forward, maybe Thursday night football, less preparation for the Titans. They just came off of a close game against the bears, big physical game. Um, the culture's got their shit kicked in by the Ravens, but I mean, that happened. This team's going to come out with a chip on its shoulder as well. And Jonathan Taylor on two separate occasions was really, really close to breaking a big run. Um, one play alignment for some reason decided to peel back instead of blocking Marcus Peters. It would have been a touchdown on an outside run maybe it was a swing pass i'm not really sure and there was another play on the right side where marcus peters forced the fumble but if michael pittman jr holds his block on marcus peters that is once again a a run that goes for 25 plus yards so the vision is getting there a little bit more for jonathan taylor Uh, they do trust him around the goal line which is really cool i've been preaching buy low on him this entire week i just think his value is at the absolute lowest it'll be like he's right now viewed as a mid flex like you have zero confidence in the workload. And at this point, once again, you're betting on talent, you're betting on a talented player improving. And I think we've seen that sort of happen over the last week. Um, maybe it all comes to fruition this week. I hope so. Um, maybe Jonathan Taylor outrushes Derrick Henry. Who knows? That's honestly some crazy shit coming out of my mouth, but crazier things have happened. I mean, we've seen Darren Fells score two touchdowns in one game. Anything can happen. So yeah, Thursday yeah. night football, it's going to be going to be an interesting game to say the least. That wraps up our week 10 trade pod. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.